clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we Where... have sexual cup. What? What? I don't know why I almost did your Why did you do line? why it was my opening line? <laughs> this is this know. is day one stuff, Doc. I know. It's been already a long week and it's only Monday. Well, let me continue on with what I ev- do every episode. <laughs> where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. And now it's you again. <laughs> this is a train wreck. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and probably in need of a vacation. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And we're back, folks. New episode, because it's a new day. Right, Doc? Yes. Yes, it is. Clearly, I'm awake. You I'm are... here... I guess you're here. I, I mean, I appreciate your physical presence being here. I just, we maybe, like, I've just seen, like, many people back to back to back to back today, which was fine, except, you know, shifting gears, shifting my headspace. It's just... all good. Greg's going to pick up the slack for you because everybody's good. That's why I want favorite it, correspondent know? is well, here. So, Doc, can you just line up all the same problems on the same day so you can kind of be like... <laughs> uses the same lesson plan you know you would think that but because folks have their own individual versions of a struggle it always ends up being different that's, oh. uh, that's why i could never do this too many we're options all we're all our own snowflakes right individual uh, yes. in our own ways yes give we them a are. discount on the hour <laughs> yeah, well we just... have some announcements about announcements before we keep going so we're going to talk about those really fast of course that is the amy book is out there folks Check it out. Autumn Karen, myself, and my ex-wife, Kelly Dorney, who does the voiceover if you listen to the audiobook version. And then, of course, check out the latest episode of Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit with my personal dear and close family friend, Laura Rademacher. She's the best. And, of course, the doc is there, too. And there was a guest. And who was the guest, doc? Calvin Hauer. Calvin Hauer. And, of course, in the last episode... Doc said he was going to come on our show, and she just threw that at me like it I was. Still, like, yeah, well, I'm trying to get him to come on this show. See now, so see you that? keep switching it up. Like last week, you were like, "Nope, he's definitely hundred percent coming," and now it's no, like, "Well, maybe I'm that. trying to still get him coming." I said that I didn't say one hundred percent. I never say one hundred percent. I said he's coming. I said, or at least I asked him if he would come, and now I feel like I need to text him and reach out and follow up on him coming. We're going back so, to the tape. We're going back to the tape on this. Well, that's fine. Okay? I feel, conf- I'm pretty I feel sh- confident. I feel confident that you said almost said one hundred percent somehow. This is such I'm, a I'm 100%. this is this is such a good segue for our topic today. It is a good segue, yeah. and it's actually not even the a setup. Perceptions, uh, the perceptions of your reality right now are really, really <laughs> interesting. So listen, I'm going to give us the topic here today. Doc wanted a roundtable discussion, so we're going to give her a roundtable discussion. I probably will not be talking very much in this episode, 
because as soon as we were prepping the episode, she said, it's kind of like a philosophical thing. And I was like, I'm out. I don't have, it's not going to, I don't feel comfortable already. And then she dropped the bomb of what this actually was. And she was like, you know, it's about perception and how, you know, we all have different realities. I'm like, I like mine just fine. Unless we're talking about like Marvel realities and they're all interchangeable or the Star Trek version of this reality to that. But when you start talking about it, I know I'm right. Okay. I know that I'm correct in my reality. So do you want to, do you want to give the title of the episode? <gasps> All right. Let me give the title of this episode for a round table discussion about philosophical rigmarole. Here it is. <laughs> you might not be wrong, but you might not be right. Questioning the right versus wrong model in relationships. Like I said, I'm often right. So right that it shocks even me at times. So I'm a little interested to hear everybody's philosoph hang on Phys philosophical thoughts on the fact that there might be other realities in a relationship. Go ahead, Doc. Bring us in. <laughs> Go ahead. Just resolve all of that. Uh, yeah. Well, here's why I wanted to talk about this. I do a lot of couples therapy, right? And one of the biggest sort of struggles that people might be having in navigating conflict is really getting stuck in this model of the, like, there is a right answer and the wrong answer. And they're often looking to me to be like, which one's right and which one's wrong. And then they get really annoyed with me because I'm like, well, really neither. Actually, that model is not a helpful model because in many ways, a lot of us are operating from what I would say a position of multiple truths, right? So I move through the world and have sort of my truth or perceptions about the world and those can the world and that can evolve and change over time. Other people have their version of the truth and of the world and that their truth can evolve and change over time, right? But we all are sort of operating with our own truths. And so when you try to have two people sit down that are really convinced that like my truth is the absolute truth, it can create problems. Okay, so how do we... Okay. Okay, this has scrambled my brain. All right, so when you're saying multiple truths, because, I mean, listen, we, we hear a lot about this in the world right now. There's like, you know, uh, facts, alternative facts, different, like, like what, what, what is the truth then? Yeah. yeah, so, well, that's the point, right? Like, well, before we go into What's that... What's the point? <laughs> well, like, like, I mean, that's a complex question, but I'm curious... Greg, what are your thoughts on this? Just ha having this as a topic. Well, I, I think it's kind of interesting because I think it translates to so many different kinds of aspects of life where if I was going to pull it back to the show, I may say that, you know, this perception reality thing may kind of go back to a thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs or up, thumbs down. Kind of because I can't remember what the real title is because he said it too many times. That's what the real that is the real title. And don't you don't you ever think it's something else because it, that would not be the truth in so, this world of truth. So I think it would be interesting to see, like, if we had gotten Tab Tucker, I think was his name. Yes, the <laughs> illustrious here, Tab Tucker to see what his reality is versus the doc's reality from even that standpoint, let alone in an actual just sexual kind of relationship kind of way. Because when you add all of that emotion and stuff, who knows what is truth, right. honestly. 
I mean, yeah. It's so it's sort of like it. Let's let's just for simplicity of this, like let's back off against the what is the truth, right? Like I, Jeremiah, you sort of asked the ultimate question, and the answer is I don't know. Because right? we'll of course back. I did, because I'm the ultimate. Uh, it's the ultimate, of course. Guru, ultimate That's, guru. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that. Um, we'll circle back, but like just starting from a simpler point, right? I think talking and thinking about like, why is any of this relevant? Like, why do we give a shit? Why talk about it? Why have a discussion? Well, because it really impacts us a lot on our day-to-day basis. So something that helps a lot in relationships and just life in general is this idea of mental flexibility. And there's a lot of things that go along with the idea of mental flexibility. It helps with our mental health. It it can help with a lot of things. And mental flexibility, right, is this idea that someone can mentally flex sort of their perception of the world, experiences, you know, dependent on their interactions with the world, with other people in the world. And often in relationships, you don't hear people being like, like uh, some people really struggle with being very rigid. And maybe sometimes rigidity in certain situations is useful, but a lot of the times rigidity can cause some struggles in relationships. You often don't hear people being like, oh, my ex was the best. So rigid, <laughs> right? Like that's. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily something that's on the high compliment list. Oh, he was just such a rigid partner or she was so rigid in her thinking. I'm with you. OK, I'm with you this far. Right. So, you know, in general, mental flexibility tends to be helpful and not just in romantic relationships, but in friendships, right? The ability to like shift perspectives or be like, okay, I'm taking that in, I'm taking in more information. Like, for instance, in order to like, a lot of times, like a lot of pro-social skills, things that help us keep relationships, having a little bit of flex is useful. And what that usually requires of us is that we question our own version of the truth, right? Like what we were seeing is the truth. That's often required. And we do it, a lot of us do it all the time without even noticing or thinking about it. And I want to be very clear, okay? Like so, so clear. Uh, Highlight, bold, italicize, clear. I am not talking about like, you hear the phrase gaslighting a lot in culture, right? Yes, big time. You hear people talk a lot about like so-and-so is gaslighting me or so-and-so. And like, and so gaslighting is really like a form of like uh, psychological abuse in which somebody would, I mean, and there are different definitions, but globally speaking, like psychological abuse in which somebody is sort of like systematically denying somebody's truth in a way where it causes them to like really question themselves in like a deep way or tries to convince somebody of like a reality that doesn't really exist. And it's kind of a, you know, not a clinical term, but a bit of a mind fuck for somebody, right? Sure, sure. That is not what I'm talking about. Oh. Okay. I am not talking about like things that are on the scale of like psychological abuse, right? Where you're, you're, where somebody, you know, is being put in a position that like their kind of truth is constantly being negated or being rewritten by somebody else, right? Like in in a way that seems really excessive. Most things are like, that I'm talking about are like little flexes, right? Like sort of like being willing to consider someone else's thoughts or experience of something, right? And like really being willing to listen to that and take that in consideration with your own, right? Like I'm not talking about things in this like extremist way of like, wow, like 
your truth doesn't matter kind of existential crisis sort of okay dialogue. okay so what are we then what are we talking about then well greg has his hand he's so polite you oh, can just jump on him, greg. i'm not even looking at those screens that's that's okay um so basically like what this kind of sounds like to me in like layman's terms is something that my mom always used to teach me like whenever i got in a fight with my brother was put yourself in the other person's shoes. Is that mm -hmm. kind of what you mean by mental flexibility? Yeah, empathy would be a good example of mental flexibility, right? So like, let's let's like think about it in more concrete terms. So when, when I talk about like this, why talk about it? It comes up in relationships a lot. And a lot of times it's easier to be flexible in certain situations than others. When people have more heightened emotions, right? Like when we're more like amped up or maybe upset or feeling more sort of angry or irritated or agitated, we tend to ground down more into like our own sort of version of events or realities. So I will sit in a lot of couple sessions and watch people go back and forth doing this. Yes, you did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Right. Like, and it's this kind of like back and forth sort of uh, going back and forth where people are like, trying to convince each other of their sort of truth or their perception of a situation. And often, and I don't say this rudely, but often it's a total waste of time. And part of the reason it's a total waste of time is that people often do operate in the world with sort of their own realities to a certain degree. And I'm not talking about like delusional level, like, right, where someone's like way, way off, but like subtle differences. And we know this from psychological research, right? If you show 100 people a tape of an event, you're going to get 100 different versions with subtle differences in how people saw and experienced that event based on their own life experiences, the things that their brain kind of focused in on, their own biases, right? In, with well, so our how, mind, okay, so how do you then break down, Doc? Because I like being right. Like, I, I like it. <laughs> Okay, it's something that I've really come to enjoy in life is being correct. Okay, so what do we do is if I'm coming in there, hypothetically speaking, because I know that it's like an ethical blah, 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 that we can't, you know, you wouldn't be my therapist, yada, yada. But, you know, in an imaginary world, right, Greg and I are coming in for couples therapy with the university pleasure, and I want to be right Greg wants to be right. Clearly he isn't because I am. How do we get around these things? So, so one of the things, that, so this is why I want to have this conversation. Like one of the first things that I would say is like, okay. And then once, like, what does that do for you? How does that actually fix your problem to know you're right? Feels good. I like it. Does it fix it in the long term? Listen. If your partner is sitting there going, well, I don't have that, like, I believe you are wrong and I strongly believe you're wrong. Does it fix your problem? I don't know that you're the right therapist for me. I'm just, you know, based <laughs> on how this is going already, I don't know if this is going to work out for us. Yeah, Greg. Well, well, I I guess I, I kind of want to back this up a second. So let's say a couple does come in and, you know, there are, I did this, no, you didn't, or you did this, no, I didn't kind of thing. Like, is it the sense, like, is it in someone's mental capacity where, they just truly believe, like, if given a lie detector test, they're going to pass because they really just honestly think that, oh, my gosh, like, this is the actual truth. Or 
is it because like gaslighting is you know that you're not right in a air quotes kind of way because you're trying to make someone else completely question their mental like status at abuse where you consciously are changing someone else's truth where here you truly believe what you're saying a hundred percent of the time yeah yeah i mean so really what i'm talking about definitely is not the gaslighting part don't be wrong like could that be happening maybe but that's really if i give people more the benefit of the doubt which i try to do most of the time right is if i give people the benefit of the doubt like these are the things that feel very real and true to the person sitting there right so like there's there are so many different studies like famous psychological studies done that are looking at like our memories why do we have such different versions of events right why do we have such different perceptions and there's all we don't even have time we could do like a 20 part series on this and part because it's really complicated because our brain has something called we've talked about it on previous podcasts like heuristics right heuristics are shortcuts in thinking that our brains take to make life easier for us right and it does this these are what this is part of what our brain does. It makes it takes these mental shortcuts, right? Because the brain likes to be the most efficient machine that it can possibly be. And part of heuristics makes life more convenient in certain ways, right? Like it takes a quick little shortcut. Hey, A reminds me of B. Let's do what we normally do in situation A, right? However, sometimes our brain gets it a little wrong, right? And that's where like certain biases come in right? Our brain starts to, over time, make little shortcuts for us, believing it's doing us a favor, trying to be really efficient. But sometimes it's doing it in ways in which now we have a ton of biases. Like, so for instance, on this podcast, we've an example of that would be a confirmation bias, right? So confirmation bias is that our brains, uh, we like things to be congruent, right? Uh, so if we already believe something to be true, when we are in an event or experiencing something, our brains are literally going to be more focused on those things that already support the belief we have. And they're going to be more exclusionary to things that are in conflict with that belief. Why? It is literally simply less work for the brain, right? And lazy, that, huh? Lazy brain. Yeah, well, in certain degrees, our brains are trying to be efficient and they're trying to help us out. But what it causes is these, and that's just one example. There's lots of different kinds of biases that we have. But because we have all of these different biases, and by the way, we collect and build those over life through our own life experiences, right? Like if we have certain events, then our brain goes, okay, well, these two things seem similar. So I'm going to put them kind of in the same box or the same category. And different people develop different biases over time because it's based in the way that maybe their life has gone. So when we come in relationships with each other, <laughs> right, that's where these biases really start to matter. And they really start to impact things. So to answer your question, Greg, when people more often than not are sitting there, maybe sometimes there's some gaslighting going on, but more often than not, that is a person's, they're like, I feel crazy because I really see it this way. And I have no idea how you could possibly see it that way because they are really like, that is their truth. They are experiencing their truth. I get it. I get it. I so, guess I get it too. So let's, I think this is probably a good place to take a break. So we could, <laughs> I guess I'm on board. So let's take a break here 
And then when we come back, how do we get into other people's realities? Like, how do I go to the Kelvin timeline of Greg in our, that was a Star Trek uh, Good. I had no, died. you could see from my blank expression. I, I, I guess had totally, no idea I what you were talking it, about. It just went bloop. And I was like, <laughs> Star Trek, don't worry, it's Star Trek. Okay. So how do I get into Greg's reality? Okay. If we were a couple in therapy. Okay. So that's what I want to get back into. And we'll be right back. And we're back, folks. Okay. So Greg and I are in a hypothetical situation. We're in couples therapy. I am correct in my world. You Greg perceive, is correct. You perceive you're correct. That's right. And Greg is correct in his world. So how do one of us or the both of us come to a unified reality? How do Greg. we do that? Jump on in, Greg. Put that I, hand down. You just jump on in. <laughs> well, I, I'm not jumping on in because I'm I'm letting him say his whole thought. Because Which is very I, polite. Because well, I yeah, also she never doctors let me always finish my thought. So thank you, Greg. So so as we are struggling in our relationship per se, isn't it important that the other person just stop and listen to the other person? And that's all I'm doing, and then saying, okay, great. When I raise my hand here, I'm just kind of like, just, I, I got a thought, but I'm going to let you finish first, and then I will say my piece. And is that like a baby step towards getting to someone else's reality? Yes, it absolutely is, right? Like, and, and I'm going to, do you mind, Greg? I'm going to circle right back to the listening piece. Yeah, uh, I think you should, because I'm going to tell you right now, I've listened many, many times in many, many intense conversations and still thought I was right even after listening. So I think this is complicated. <laughs> that's why, that's why I want to, I want to, listening is not often as simple as it sounds. Um, however, the whole reason I want to talk about this philosophically, right? Like you can't change what you do if you don't start to change how you think. You have to start, well, I guess no one has to do anything, but it is often helpful. God, you're such a, <laughs> such a therapist. <laughs> I guess no one has to do anything. Like, you, you did, like come on, just keep so going. So much animosity. Let's, you know. Sorry. So, like, I think one of the things is about this idea, right? Like, is it serving you? You asked me that question of like, and I come in and I'm right. One of the first things I would ask you is like, okay, let's say in this session, I said, you're right. Jeremiah's right. How does that change what's going on with the two people sitting in front of me? It makes one person feel good for a minute, but does it change the conflict? Does it change anything about their experience? Only that he has to admit that I'm right and validate me and then uh, well, bow, let's be bow real. to let's my be, win. Let's and, be very real. I am a therapist, not a wizard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> because, and, you know, if there is some truth that I could latch on to. I would fully admit that, but I would also just say, this is how I feel because a lot of times I think our perception is our reality. Right. And yeah. so, so logically, sure, I could go along with it. Emotionally, F off. 
I don't think you're right at all. And that's just an internal battle that I think everyone has to try and just think, you know, more like Spock instead of like Kirk going along with the other uh, Star Trek kind of theme here. Thank you very much. That's why the doc's face just went, what? <laughs> um, so, I, and I think, you know, like that in itself, going back to your mental flexibility is like, I, I wish I could do more of that where I could eliminate more of just the emotional gut reaction stuff and pause and take more time to think about things logically. Well, I think part of the struggle, right? Like, and this stuff is like really hard, by the way, like I'm talking about this, like, and then you just like consider someone else's truth. Like I'm talking about it specifically as a topic together because it is really hard. And, but I think part of this, when I, when I ask that question, like, what does that achieve, right? Having someone who's right and someone who's wrong. Like, so for instance, in many dialogues and in conflict and the way that we approach it, approach conflict the similar model is there needs to be a winner and a loser. And one of the things that I'll talk to people about and things that are worth considering is if, if you walk away feeling like you won, both people have lost because that's not a dynamic, like you're supposed to be on the same team, right? So if someone feels defeated on your team, how is that helping you as a unit? The answer is, it's typically not, not in a sustainable way, right? And also as an aside, if somebody does sort of make that, I guess, olive branch effort to try to understand the other person's position and be like, you know what, maybe you're right. And if you're like, aha, I am, I'm right, I won, right? <laughs> that, that doesn't really then, like all of that, like sort of like um, desire, like that sort of devalues, right? That person's efforts, it doesn't reinforce them, then it makes people less willing to want to kind of come to see your truth, your perception, because they feel like, well, I, I, I tried to like, kind of give you a knowledge branch and to come to where you're at. And rather than you saying, Hey, thanks for taking the time to understand that from my position, it kind of gets thrown in my face. And now I feel like I've lost something that doesn't make that person want to come back the next time. Feeling humiliated and defeated is not an emotion that's like generally reinforcing. It doesn't make someone want to like come do that more or come do that again. And so part of the how that you're asking about Jeremiah is literally saying, let's get out of the right versus wrong model and let's step into a different understand of like, how can we help you to start to understand each other's truths differently, right? Like to, and now this is where listening and all of that stuff starts to come in. But you can't do that if someone literally mentally goes, no, my truth is the only truth. There is no other truth. You have to be able, right, to start to go, what if this other person's perception is as real to them as mine is to me? What yeah, if those you know, I, I totally am with you, Doc. And, you know, I can actually give an example on this, okay? And I've, I think I've actually used this example maybe in the past here on the podcast. Um, but I was filming an audition, okay? And my ex-wife would say things like, you know, you can uh, be kind of rude sometimes when, you know, when I would ask her to help me film an audition. This is years and years and years ago, right? And uh, the one day uh, we were filming this audition and I always was kind of like, that reality is not real. I wouldn't be rude to her. I wouldn't be rude. You know, I love her and I still do. It's one of my best buddies, right? But uh, the camera actually ran kept running one day while we were doing this one audition, right? 
And I went back and was watching what we had just worked on. And I was shocked. I was shocked because I was really freaking rude. Like just the way that I was talking, the way that I was coming across was cutting. And, uh, and I remember being hit with one of those massive truth bombs, uh, you know, like, whoa, wow, you always were a dick like this in this, in these moments. And, you know, and she never said it like that, but it was like, Hey, you know, you could be a little nicer when we're doing this. And, and uh, so, you know, giving just a little perspective, I guess I might say about how, you know, yeah, you know, you know, I, in my reality, I'm like, I'm not being mean. I'm just, we're getting this done. We're just doing this. You know, we're getting, we're making it happen, you know, quick, let's go, you know, but man, I watched it back. Jeremiah James, not his best moments, okay? And I was, it really did give me that moment of pause to stop first, A, apologize for my behavior, but also to go, hey, I need to listen when other people are saying certain things, you know, other people in my orbit, like partners or friends and whatnot, and really try to, you know, uh, put myself in their shoes or, or hear when they're saying, hey, in my reality, the way you're acting is not friendly. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's a perfect example, Jeremiah, right? It really is because you gave an example of a couple different things. One is like before you watch the video, I bet you felt to Greg's question earlier, very pretty firm in that belief. 100%. I'm not rude. I am, right? Yep. But, and that's because like sometimes self-perception -per is tricky like I said, we've got all sorts of biases and heuristics. Also, our memories, this is well-established in research. Our memories are faulty as shit. Like we do not have, and I'm not talking about some like clinical level memory issue. I mean, just a high functioning memory system is still faulty as shit. And so we, myself included, right? Like we just miss giant chunks of things or swaths or our perception of reality gets slightly altered or changed based on our own memories and our own kind of thinking systems and all these really complex systems working together. And that's not to mean like, I'm saying like everything you think you know is a lie, right? <laughs> but like, but it's more me saying like, it is worth going, hey, this machine of mine, i.e. my brain is not as like always clear and concise as like I may believe it to be at times. And so what my second piece about your example that's really useful is like a lot of people, we don't get the benefit of being like, oh, look, look, a video of me behaving <laughs> in the way that was highly convenient, right? <laughs> Where then I can sit and self-reflect and actually see my behavior through the lens of maybe, so in that case, maybe a more neutral lens, not through your wife's lens, but the lens of a, the camera itself, which then allows somebody to self-reflect a bit more. And so that's a, it's just more me saying like, that's a really good example of like the way our brains can play trick on tricks on us at times. But when we're open to a different reality, now all of a sudden your truth was changed, right? right? By watching that video, your truth evolved to integrate some of that new information into it where you could go, oh, actually, I guess I can be kind of rude. When yeah. this occurs, yeah, you were. I think you were trying to say something, Greg. I feel like I cut you off. No, I. I mean, but in that instance, that what you're talking about, 
going through just the stress level of getting the perfect audition on camera and making sure that all these other factors are falling into place the way you want it to because, heck, this is going to be a new job. I really want this, blah, blah, blah. You tend to probably put aside those other, like, so your reality kind of is focused on all of that stuff, all of that other stuff up front because that is the priority in your mind where then your brain then just kind of makes up the rest of it. They're like, no, I wasn't rude. Like, of course I wasn't rude. Yeah. But then you're really not thinking about it because you're like, wait, did I look right? Did I sing all the right notes? Did I say all the right words? Um, do I look like a deer in headlights? You know, like there's all these other things that your brain is trying to take care of that once it's pointed out to you, by the way, you know, sometimes you, you know. get a little hard, you know, <laughs> throwing it out there. Well, and that's the last thing your brain wants to hear is like, okay, I've got 17 other million things going on right now. And you're going to tell me that I'm being harsh. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, I guess okay. I will, yeah. Where you don't have that time to process it until after you're away from the situation. So like by pulling like is that like, you know, like is yeah. that one of those tricks where if you can pull yourself away from the situation, that's yeah. it Yeah. So, okay. So like, yes, yes to many of the things you just said. So um, this was such a good example, Jeremiah. So okay. well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so like a couple things, two things that you said that are really important, Greg, one of which is like this idea of like our attentional resources, right? So in the example that Jeremiah gave, you're correct. I would assume, Jeremiah, that you were maybe hyper-focused on getting a good audition video, right? So your focus was on a specific act, right? And our brain can only do so many things at one time, right? And so when our attention is really being like kind of... Um, uh, really focused in on one particular thing, or we have hyper-focus on one particular thing, right? We're going to ignore other things or not pay as close of attention to other things and things are going to slip us by, right? And side note, you can't remember something you didn't notice or see in the first place. So that's important. So that's why, side note, some folks that struggle with ADHD will often report having bad memories. The reality is that their memory is probably fine. You can't, you just can't remember what you didn't notice to begin with. There you right? go. You have no memory of it. And so that's part of why it's sometimes people that have attention issues can go, my memory's bad. Well, it may not actually at times be that there's a memory issue. It's more, there's an attention issue that's interfering with your capacity to make memories. Um, and so a, when we think about attention, that's really important, right. In terms of how that impacts, like the way that we then perceive our truth or our reality of an experience. The other thing that you brought up is very important. As stress levels go up, right, or like heightened emotionality, but like stress hormones and things like that go up, those also hijack your brains in particular, our brains in particular ways that also make memories more difficult. And the formula, it's why like you might hear somebody, people that have been through like really traumatic events often have sometimes struggles remembering or they only remember really in like high detail focus certain parts or pieces because of the way that stress hormones also impact our brains and the way that we encode memory. And so all of this stuff is to say, really, summary, the human brain is super duper complicated. <laughs> and so at times, what that means is that we remember things in a way that feels really true to us. And that doesn't mean we're lying. It doesn't mean we're trying to manipulate another person. I mean, like I said, sometimes people are intentionally doing that, but that's a whole other gig and a whole other thing than what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about just normative, all of us, we miss things. And because we miss things, our truths are built around what we saw, what we experienced, not around what we missed or what we didn't see, right? And they're built around the experiences, you know, the biases that we have. And so this is circling back to the listening question. When people are sitting in front of me, and side note, I do like family therapy and stuff as well. So sometimes it's not just romantic partners. Sometimes it's people just trying to like navigate things in family systems or things like that that are really tricky. You do, in order to do anything, yes, you first have to like make space for someone else's truth. How do you do that? Well, yes, by listening, but not all listening is created equal. How many times have either one of you, I can include myself in this and I will just say yes to the question, but how many times have either one of you been quote unquote listening in a conversation, but really just formulating a better way to make your argument? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, guaranteed. Right. And that's how debate club, if that wasn't the case, what did you say? I wouldn't have been in debate club if that wasn't. (laughs) Right. Right. So like a lot of times when we attempt to listen, what we're really doing is taking that space to further clarify and support our truth. (laughs) And so sometimes when people are like, I was listening, maybe not how, but were you here? Like, right. But were you present? Right. So like I might have people, this is just some like simple logistics, use some like little tricks and tools to be more present listeners. So for instance, if I like, I'll pause, you know, this is, if you're in a therapy office, you might have the luxury of somebody going, okay, let's stop. What did you hear? Right. Like more like, what did you hear? You know, what's fascinating to me? Like, I will often ask somebody, what did you hear this person say? And then they come back and they, and they're perfectly rational, lovely people. And their version of what they heard is so off. So off. Oh, I've seen it happen, Doc. I've seen, I have literally seen that happen. I I mean, it's like, you know, people be like, you know, um, do you want vanilla ice cream today? And then someone goes, so what did you hear that person say? I heard them say that I hate vanilla ice cream and I'm a piece of shit and they think that I'm a bad friend <laughs> and because I don't like vanilla. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. what are you, what happened? Like, where is that? Right. Are you speaking English? And this is, yeah. And my point is like, I'm not, what I really want to do is not judge this. This happens to all of There's us. There's no judgment. It's us. a real thing. Right. It's a real thing. Right. Right. It's a very real thing. And we all struggle with it. And so part of it is like, how can we be stronger, better people, stronger, better partners, better friends, better, you know, children, parents, whoever, right? Whatever relationships you have. Part of it is about like questioning yourself and going, what am I making the space that I need to be making for other people's truths? And the skill set of listening is ask yourself how you listen. Do I listen by formulating my argument? And most of us do struggle with this and we have to fight against it while someone else is trying to explain, or do I actually sit, try to maybe clarify that I heard correctly before I respond? Side note, that's called reflective listening when you, and it might feel like kind of like clunky to be like, okay, one second. What I heard you say was A. Did you say A? And not really proceeding with what you're going to say until you've actually clarified, did you hear what the hell they were saying? And when they go, 
yeah, that is what I was saying. Okay. And a lot of times that's what I'm doing for people, right? Like I'm slowing them down. I'm slowing people down enough, but sometimes you don't have the luxury of that. Maybe side note, everyone's having a heck of a hard time finding therapists these days, just because there's, you know, a lot of people looking for stuff. But the thing that I give people to do at home and to try at home is like, when someone is talking, like if you're trying to have a really serious conversation, especially about a topic, and this might feel cheesy or weird, but it can really help. When someone is talking, take notes about what they're saying, what they are saying, not what you are thinking about what they are saying. Well, you know what? It's kind of funny that you say that because it's like, you know, it, I've worked in customer service in many different facets. And most of the time it's in like customer resolution where I'm the person that fields the complaints or my team is the, you know, okay, someone is not satisfied with this. And like everything that you're talking about is exactly what we teach people to do in customer service from that standpoint where it's kind of like, okay, before you're ready to interject, just let them blow off steam, let them get out, vent whatever they need to. And then yes. And then you reaffirm that. So my understanding is, and you repeat basically what they said. And then when they hear it, they're like, yeah, a lot of times when I'd repeat it, they're like, well, that kind of sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? And I'm like, no, it's okay. But like, but like what you're describing is like classic, like, Mm -hmm. like, customer service 101. <laughs> right. And and part of what you're doing in that is like you're validating, you're saying here's the thing that people confuse a lot in like in conflict around like giving someone else's truth some space for your consideration and to understand it. Understanding it and hearing it doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're saying. It just means like validation doesn't mean like I agree with you. Validation goes, okay, if I try to understand it from your perspective, from your experience, I can see how you'd get there. I can see how you feel the way that you feel. It doesn't mean you have to be like, okay, and then I 100% agree. And then side note, you're totally right. Because again, I'm trying to move people out of even the idea of like, somebody's right, somebody's wrong, right? What I'm usually trying to convince people of is you're probably both right and you're probably both wrong and the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And and how do you create space to find that middle ground that the two of you can be, you know, you don't need to have matchy-matchy truths, but you do need truths that align enough so you can function. There we go. As Listen, I think that's a great place to say thank you, Doc. That was epic because you said, what was it? Truthy truth. And uh, there was something else you said in there. I want to go back and check the tape because it was so good. It was like, truthy truth. it was like some little truthy truth. And I was like, oh, do I see another T-shirt coming for the merch store? Mm. <laughs> the doc says. You know, we could make like a Venn diagram on a T-shirt and in the center, just label it truthy truth. Truthy truth. Like I could. your truth, like the your truth, the and somewhere in the middle <laughs> is truthy truth. Yeah, I like that's that's great. I like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I like in it. all honesty, I thought it this is great. Works. Like I, at first, I was a little weary of this, but now I'm kind of on board. Uh, not kind of, I'm on board all the way. I see what you're saying. We perceive it, things differently. What? What do you want to say? I just want to finish that. I know you. I can tell right. you're itching to finish us, and that's fine. But 
but if I may, when I said like write things down, I just want to finish that. Write them down to Greg's point. Clarify with the person that that side note, if you're feeling really emotional, it will help really emotional. It will help you to write down because it will ground you. It's a grounding task. It gives you something to do while someone's talking. So you're not so maybe out of your skin or whatever's going on. It makes you focus and be there in the moment. Yeah, it helps you ground. It helps you be present, right, with what they're saying. Not what you're thinking. Don't jot notes down around, here's my argument, right, around what you're hearing them say. And then look at what you have and say, here's my understanding of what you're saying, right? Is that right? Okay. And then proceeding with how you feel, what you think, presenting sort of your truth around that. It's it's so interesting, and this is just where I know we need to end here, but like, when people find ways to create space for other people's truths, and and here's the thing, it's both and. Allowing space for someone else's truth doesn't mean that now you have to let go of your own, right? Those two things can coexist, and that's hard. And I know mentally, like, that's that mental flex, right? Someone else can have their truth. I can have mine. Let's see if I can make space in my truth for for at least understanding why they have the one that they have, right? For at least trying to help someone feel like I'm working to understand it. That's what's most important. Interestingly, I don't watch people being like, you have to think exactly the way I think. Most people, to your point, Greg, in customer service, just want to feel heard. They just want to feel like you get it. And if people are so focused on like, I need to be right, I need to be right. I need to win. Then that's when I say that everyone loses because it won't, it's not a good long-term strategy. And I get that what I'm describing is actually much easier on paper than it is in practice, right? Like I know this stuff and I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, and then I do that perfectly all the time. I totally don't, right? None of us do, but it's it's worth the practice because you see, and again, it, it may not even be a romantic partner all the time, work with a, to your point, Greg, in a, in a setting at work, or it might be with a friend, like it builds qualities, your, your relationship qualities in ways that a lot of times people just giving someone else a, their truth, a little bit of space, a little bit of airtime, and really authentically, not like playing lip service to it, but authentically trying to understand it, it benefits you. Because when someone else feels heard and understood, they want to understand you more often than not. And so it's just a big love sandwich that then starts to, <laughs> right, like starts to occur. So that that was my final plea. Thank you. That well, was I don't want to open a can of worms here, but a quick question. Is it okay to agree to disagree? I think that it is, right? But it's about coming oh, okay. to terms, right? Like a, we have different truths. Can we co- Like, Can we hang with that, right? And like one of the things that I think is important to say is sometimes people really can't get their truths to align. They just can't. And that's okay. But I'm talking about, you know, if there's a relationship you want to try to keep, then here's a way to try, right? And to, and some people, by the way, that are listening to this are like, I already do this shit. And what I would say is A plus, good for you, <laughs> right? But then there's a lot of us that are still really learning how to do this and to do this more effectively. Well, there you have it, folks. You've learned about Truthy Truth today, which really should have just been the name of the episode. I have my truth, you have your truth, and the center is Truthy Truth. That's to quote the doc. And uh, listen. 
I don't know that that was my quote. That was no, your quote. No, it was 100% we'll Truth the Truth was your quote. I'm going to go back and check the tape. Again, in my reality, I was 100% right. So um, there we have it. Thank you so much. So, so uh, Jeremiah has learned nothing today. <laughs> I did. I, I learned will... so much. I like being right. I learned and affirmed my happiness in my rightness. So th We'll see. He was actively listening at the end of the season. Not when doing that again. You set a firm boundary. We'll have to come up it's with It's never going to happen new, again. It made me sweat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I love you both. Thank you so much for being here. Doc, thank you for all that you do. Greg, you're the best for coming on at such short notice and doing a roundtable with us. We always love having you here, and I know all the fans love to hear from you. Our millions of fans all over the world. Doc, thank you for everything that you do for so many. Greg, thank you for being you. And remember, everybody out there, just be kind to one another. And uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. Bye, Greg. Bye. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. We'll talk to you again yeah. soon. Bye-bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me. Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.